Are you ready? Welcome everybody to Wrestling with the War! Alright folks, it's BC back once again, and right off the get-go I do want to apologize. I'm a little late getting the episode out this week. I'm sorry, I'm trying to stick to the schedule, but life sometimes gets in the way, but... I am here, and I am uh, bringing an interesting episode. This one will probably be a bit shorter because I don't really want to go over uh, the episodes of Raw and Nitro. Actually, what I want to talk about is what I'm mentioning in the title, that the times are a-changing, and that is for sure with WWF at this point. It's, It's amazing to me how... It seems like as soon as the year ended in 1995 and now we're strolling into 1996, that everything has just changed completely for the WWF. And I go back to what I mentioned in the last episode where I feel like the whole Medusa situation is maybe what sparked the real Monday Night War. Now, I realize that Eric Bischoff and WCW have been picking away at WWF and pick, pick, pick and making all kinds of different claims and ruining results of shows and stuff like that. But it just seemed like WWF was kind of ignoring them. And then all of a sudden, you know, we have that break on December 18th is the last episode of Raw. They don't even have a Christmas episode. So Nitro is running unopposed. And then we're in back in with WWF in the new year, January 1st. And it's a whole different product and a whole different feel for WWF. And that's what I'm going to get into this episode. But before I do, I just want to touch on a couple of things. First of all, I want to give a shout out to both uh, Will Gray and Dad Hat Wrestling for having me on uh, World Championship Wreckage. They're, uh, they're a podcast that you do on YouTube where they're kind of covering the same stuff as I am. So it was a nice natural fit. Uh, we were on there talking about the uh, top managers of WCW and both WCW and the NWA era of, of um, Jim Crockett promotions and a really fun episode. Those guys are great, very knowledgeable about, uh, about wrestling and about WCW. Um, It was just a fun time. Really appreciate them inviting me on. And I encourage you to head on over to YouTube and subscribe to their channel because they're doing some great stuff there. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy it, especially if you enjoy this podcast. The other thing I wanted to mention is I want to say a big thank you to any listeners here uh, that are over on our YouTube channel because uh, it's been going fantastic. And I really appreciate anybody that's subscribed. Now, there's two YouTube channels that are going on right now. There's the Wrestling With The Truth channel, which is kind of covering the newer product, doing some uh, pay-per-view reviews, uh, doing some countdown lists uh i'm putting some of the episodes of this podcast on there and of course there's wrestling with the wife which is always a good time with uh with my wife jen but also it's uh there's a second youtube channel is is kind of a passion project for me that's wrestling with the 80s and i am just blown away by the response of people to that channel where we just eclipsed uh 500 subscribers on there this weekend i'm just so proud of this 
the the views are amazing the comments the comments i'm getting from old school wrestling fans fans of the 80s just so kind um it just seems like i'm bringing back some good memories for people of that era uh they're really enjoying um you know the episodes that have been done so far so i'm just um just absolutely blown away by the response and i can't thank people enough for that it's been really fun so far and it's going to be even more fun i just put out the newest video it's just a quick one just asking the question is why are you a wrestling fan and i know why i am and i kind of touched on a, a few of those things in that video but i was asking for a response from the viewers the subscribers and i got some great responses there's a lot of similarities to what made me a wrestling fan and what other folks from that generation uh, caused them to be wrestling fans too. So if you haven't already, head on over to YouTube, subscribe to both channels. But if you're an old school wrestling fan, make sure you're subscribed to Wrestling with the 80s because uh, I think you'll really enjoy it because I'm really passionate about that time period of wrestling and uh, I'm really trying to put my heart and soul into the into the work on that channel. Not that I'm not doing that with the uh, wrestling with the truth as well but it's just a different type of channel for each so yeah uh thank you to everybody who's who's um who's taking part in that so now back to this episode so as i say we're now just strolling into 1996 leading up to a couple of things so there's no pay-per-view for wcw in january there is a clash of champions though and that's happening on january 23rd i believe is the date for that there is one pay-per-view for WWF, which is pretty important. It's the Royal Rumble that's coming up, and that's on the Sunday, the January 21st. So we have three weeks of episodes to go through. Now, I'm not going to go through every single episode. Just uh, I'm going to bore you to death if I do that. I just wanted to talk about a theme here. So we have January 1st, January 8th, and January 15th to go through. Now, I will say this. Nitro is just on fire at this point and it's crazy how stacked that that show is i mean just quickly i'm looking at it we're coming off a of starcade flair's the champ now they you know right off january 1st the show was loaded we had savage versus arm we had chris benoit versus uh steve regal we had uh the horseman with a situation where pillman's calling out Arn and benoit for losing Luger and Sting were in action as a tag team. Now they're facing the super assassins who were actually the powers of pain. I do not know why they just didn't have them as the powers of pain because they were a badass tag team that, that people really liked. But for some reason, they put them under the mask. I don't know what the deal was with that. But anyways, um, we had Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan in the main event on the January 1st. 1996 episode of nitro i mean think about that on free tv the stuff that we're getting savage versus arm flair versus hogan it was just such a loaded show it was just amazing to me uh this was really the beginning of where we were seeing uh bischoff really putting down the product uh i think he got a little bit of a cockiness uh, from from the whole medusa incident and it's really starting to flow through and i think for me, this is where I'm seeing a switch go off in a couple of ways. One, I think that Medusa thing just motivated Vince. And he said, all right, enough is enough. And we're fighting back here. And number two, I think this really pumped up the ego of, of Eric Bischoff even more because he he got a huge win with that. And, I, and um, this is a point where Bischoff is starting to become a little bit hard to take. There's a lot of cockiness here, a lot of spoiling results uh, for instance, he spoiled the results of the Raw Bowl, which was the January 1st episode of, of Monday Night Raw. 
Um, just it just seems like there's a whole different switch here with Bischoff. And um, I think I remember as a fan, this is kind of an air, a time where I kind of got turned off a little bit by the whole WCW, probably more so because of what Bischoff was doing. But looking back at the shows here, I mean, with them so loaded, it's crazy what they were able to offer. And I'm really enjoying these Monday Nitro episodes. There's great wrestling, great storylines. The title picture is insanely stacked. There's side picture, side stuff projects going on. There's, uh, you know, you, you got people like Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and the cruiserweights and things like that going on. You got so much entertainment. You got celebrities, everything. It's just becoming the cool product at this point. While WWF was slowly becoming not that great and not that cool at all. Um, but all of a sudden, boom, January 1st comes along and it's a different product all of a sudden. So we had the Raw Bowl on January 1st with WWF and that was like, an interesting concept. It was uh, a four-team elimination matchup for the Raw Bowl. It was uh, the Smoking Guns versus Yoko and Owen versus Sid and the Kid versus Razor and Savio. Won't go through the whole match. The winners of this were the Smoking Guns, ironically enough. Um, this was, you know, spoiled by Eric Bischoff on the show, but a really good match. It went about 25 minutes of the show. The whole Theme of the show was was kind of football laced, uh, even like the slam jam is that way with some of the references they made. But then the rest of the show was kind of weird because you had a replay of uh, the hog pen match from In Your House. Um, I have a feeling that there was a lot of stuff in this show because, of course, it was taped that originally would have been on there. Some just generic matches that Vince said, you know what? No, no, we're not going to show this because this is like, you know, the plumber versus the the goon or something. Like that, and I think he just said, "No, we're gonna load this show up," and they did. It was it was the um, replay of that match. You had Diesel versus Mabel, which was <laughs> a ten second squash. It was just crazy, but I mean, look, it made Diesel look pretty cool. Uh, you had an announcement for the Rumble, very big announcement. So number one, they announced um, that Dory Funk Jr. <laughs> is going to be participating in the Rumble. I mean, Dory Funk Jr. I'm not even sure how old Dory Funk was at this point but he he was old in the early 80s let alone um let alone at this point in time but he was a wrestling legend and he was a former nwa world heavyweight champion and this was just interesting they also announced that tatanka was going to be in this match and then the biggest announcement of all and here we go january 1st this is the changing of the guard here vader is going to be participating in the Royal Rumble. And they had a really cool vignette of Vader working out, just looking as bad as bad can be. Um, you know, last we'd seen a Vader, he was supposed to be participating on Team Hogan in the war games. And then all of a sudden, you just never heard anything about him. But here comes Vader. And man, this just feels like a breath of fresh air that it's coming in that case. The other thing was that we had... Uh, there was a mention a couple of weeks ago about Ted DiBiase introducing his new million dollar champion. And they were told that that was coming up next week. And we had our first ever billionaire Ted's wrestling war room. And that was the one that featured billionaire Ted, the huckster, the nacho man scheme gene. I mean, this is WWS first acknowledgement of WCW and they're going hard at them. They're talking about, how old these guys are and how washed up and unloyal and stuff like that. Meanwhile, it's the new generation 
uh, in WWF and the catchphrase is that the new generation is on top of the hill, not over it. So it's, it's hard to fathom now because we have the whole AEW, WWE thing. And the, you know, the, these companies acknowledge people. We have social media where you see guys from other companies uh, that are friends and stuff like that. But it, at this time, I know WCW was doing it to WWF, but WWF never acknowledged anybody. And all of a sudden, they finally cracked. And they said, screw this. We're going to go hard at these guys. So you knew that Bischoff had done what he wanted to do. He got McMahon's goat. But maybe he had caught a tiger by the tail because maybe he didn't realize what he was getting at that point. But yeah, this was this was interesting. And also in this vignette, Vince Russo was playing one of the characters in it. And you're going to start to see the influence of Vince Russo very quickly with the WWF. In the November, or sorry, in the January 8th uh, episode of Nitro, again, just a stacked and loaded card. I mean, Chris Benoit fought Alex Wright. Pillman was outside like a madman. Eddie Guerrero versus uh, Steve Regal. Uh, I found, again, I keep saying this, Bischoff is getting cockier and cockier by the week. And even Mongo is... is uh, joining them and they're relentless about the, the WWF and raising pay-per-view prices and all this stuff. What I really love about this, and this has been touched on before by many other people, is the one guy who's not saying anything to put down the WWF is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Ironically, the heel of the group, but also because he knew, one, I don't want to tick off Vince McMahon because I know what he can bring as far as the Thunder, but also... He had respect for him. I mean, this guy made Bobby the Brain Heaton a household name. He made him a millionaire. He's the reason why WCW went so hard to get him. So it was really, really nice to see just the respect that Bobby the Brain Heaton had. And um, really, they didn't need to be kicking at WWF like this. Like It just got crazy. And it's ironic I'm saying this because WWF did so many crappy things to Jim Crockett promotions back in the 80s. But... It, they're they're punching up and i don't think they need to do this at this point because they were really just the product alone was fantastic and the fact that the wwf was just kind of snoozing they should have just let sleeping dogs lie but i mean so yeah so you had regal and guerrero you had uh mean gene with sting and luger you know gene stirring the pot and and sting's question lex's actions at starcade with sting versus ddp uh, you know, that's a young G DDP as far as wrestling at this point. Uh, slow match, but here you go. You got Sting versus DDP. And then your main event, you have Hogan and Savage versus Arn and Flair. And I'm saying to myself, are you kidding me? This roster is so stacked. And the main event of your Monday show is four of the biggest legends of the 80s going at it. I don't care if they're old at this point. I was just so blown away getting to see this. This was so cool just to go back and see this again. And, uh, yeah, it's just, and then you have the interference from the horsemen and stuff like that. So again, a stacked show. But then we go over to Raw on that same Monday, and I call this a key episode. This is a key episode of this whole Monday Night War, and there's one big reason for this. We get the introduction of the ringmaster in the Brother Love segment with Ted DiBiase, and we all know who the ringmaster was. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. And right off the get-go, I mean, so we had to start off with, we had Hakushi versus Jeff Jarrett. Decent match. Uh, Jarrett gets the win. Um, we had a Scheme Gene uh, segment in Slam Jam, which was interesting, just making fun of uh, Mean Gene. 
that was kind of the theme throughout the night. Uh, we got Doug Gilbert announced for the Royal Rumble. And if you don't know who Doug Gilbert is, why don't you go on to YouTube and check out Doug, Doug Gilbert's classic promo on Jerry Lawler and his outside the ring extracurricular activities. I'll just leave it at that. You'll you'll be interested to see that. Uh, Ahmed Johnson destroying a jobber. And then, of course, we get the Brother Love segment. And right off the get-go, this felt different. Austin got in that ring, cut a promo, and it wasn't a WWF promo. It was a WCW promo. It was a Steve Austin promo, and it felt different. It was just intense, great promo. And, man, it's um, you can see, as I say, the, the times are changing here. Uh, we had Goldust with a quick win over Aldo Montoya. Again, the Slam Jam shows a press conference with HBK, and he's going to be coming back for the Royal Rumble, even though doctors didn't want him to – to keep going with his wrestling career, HBK, the, the big story is he's going to be back. We, <laughs> we all know what's going to happen at Royal Rumble. Again, they, they talk about Vader, another great clip of Vader. Um, and then they replay Brett versus David in your house. I mean, we're talking all the blood, everything is shown in this, which was again, interesting, but again, I think they had to cut out some schlock that they had originally planned and said, Nope, we're going to go guns a blazing now. And I mean, of course, this is a great match, but just to see that much blood on TV was interesting at that time. And then we finished off with a with another billionaire <laughs> Ted skit, where they're coming up with the uh, the catchphrase of where this is where the big boys play, and they pretty much insinuate that Hogan and Savage are on steroids, <laughs> which of course WWF had just finished their steroid trial. So yeah, they're hitting hard now. And then finally into the, the 15th of uh, January. Uh, so this is the not the go-home show for Nitro for the Clashes. We're going to have one more the following week. But this is uh, the go-home show of Raw for Rumble. And again, another stacked Nitro card. You had Savage and Luger opening up. And Luger gets a win over Savage clean uh, with using the torture rack. We had a Dungeon of Doom four horsemen, almost like a mafia meeting in the ring, uh, which is a pretty pivotal one because this is where the uh, horsemen and the dungeon decide to work together. But Brian Pillman is not too fond of this. And this is the infamous moment where Aaron Anderson slaps the living crap out of Pillman here. It's just unreal, the shot that he gives him. And they're really playing up the dissension in the Four Horsemen because you're wondering where Chris Benoit's mind's at at this point. We had the debut of the Public Enemy versus uh, the American Males. Really sloppy match, but at the end, the fans got what they want because the Public Enemy stacked two tables up and they put Marcus Alexander Bagwell on it and they did a bomb off the top rope through the tables on, on Bagwell. You then had Flair versus Sting. And I mean, I know we've seen this matchup a million times, but every time it's a really enjoyable match. We had a great match. The, the crowd was on fire for this match. They were going crazy for it. Uh, Ric Flair actually was uh, came out to the ring with Jimmy Hart. And at some point towards the end of the match, Luger comes out to confront Jimmy Hart and is wondering why he's with Flair and, you know, talking about this is my friend in the ring. Wrestles... I use quotation marks in this one kind of wrestles the megaphone away from Jimmy Hart and somehow slowly gets into the corner while Sting's doing the stinger splash. And lo and behold, Sting hits his head off the megaphone accidentally. Again, I'll use quotation marks in this and uh, causes Sting to lose the match as Flair slaps the figure four on Sting is knocked out cold. So he gets counted out for three. 
uh, Luger comes into the ring kind of half-heartedly, is taking Flair off of uh, off of Sting, and then all of a sudden Hogan and Savage come rushing out, and they rescue Sting. And then we get Mean Gene in the ring. He's talking to all three of them. Um, Hogan and Savage are trying to convince Sting that this is your proof. Luger is not a good guy. He's not your friend. But Sting was knocked silly, so he didn't didn't even remember what happened. So he goes off to confront Sting. And then you have Hogan and Savage going at it in the ring. And uh, Hogan, really sucky, really heelish with the way he's talking to Savage here. He wants the title shot. He deserves a title shot. I think Savage went behind his back and demanded the title shot for uh for flair at the uh, super brawl but it's uh, savage says it's not of my control brother and <laughs> it's nick bockwinkle to decide this but again you're laying the seeds for hogan and the eventual heel turn that's going to be coming for him again talk about the celebrities jim belushi is announced as being on uh, saturday night uh, mike dicka had just recently been on saturday night uh, you can see the influence of mongo there with that one and then we go to a Hogan-Ming match, and it's a typical Hogan match. It's, you know, the heel beats him down for five minutes. Hogan gets uh, the comeback, big boot, a couple of punches. The only difference here is he didn't drop the leg. He actually stole the uh, golden spike from Kevin Sullivan and jams it into Ming's throat, and Hogan gets the win in a heelish manner here. So lots of seeds being planted as far as what's going to be happening with Mr. Hogan in the future. Again, a stacked card, lots going on, just Hall of Famers all over the place. Again, Bischoff, very cocky, putting down the WWF like crazy when he really didn't need to. All you need to do is tell the fans, look at what we got in this ring. Look at this product that we're giving you. You don't even need to worry about anything else. And then we get Raw from January 15th, and this is really when the times are changing because... Throughout this episode, a couple of things that I'm going to point out. Well, one, we start off, it's Mario Gennetti against Owen Hart, which turns out to be a great match. Two great workers. Owen gets a win. And then right after that, we go to a vignette of Sonny, basically with an open blouse, her bra hanging out, basically playing pool. Looks like it's probably in Vince's house, talking about it being raw. And I mean, this is the first time that we're really seeing that that sexual angle being played up. And here you go again, the influence of a guy like Vince Russo. Interesting. You know, again, this wouldn't fly in this day and age, but at this point they're throwing everything at the wall to compete. And then you have the in-ring debut uh, for the ringmaster, Steve Austin and a little trivia here. The, the first opponent of Steve Austin in the WWF, is a young Matt Hardy, who's a jobber at this point. Uh, he looks completely different, short haircut, terrible baby blue tights on. Uh, his knees aren't screwed up at this point, so it's really weird to see him moving normally. But yeah, so Austin uh, gives him a little bit of offense, but he's putting a good beat down on. He's vicious in that ring, throws a stunner, or sorry, a stun gun on uh, Hardy, and then the Million Dollar Dream but again, a different style than what we're used to for WWF wrestlers. This felt more vicious, more urgent, just different. You had a spotlight on Shawn Michaels, just talk about him entering the Rumble. We had the smoking guns and the squash match against a mass team called the Spiders, who I looked it up and it turned out it was the Headbangers. <laughs> this was their debut in the uh, WWF, and, and they would go on to do some different things before they become the Headbangers. We then went to a billionaire Ted's wrestling war room once again. This time Ted's complaining because he wants to buy the WWF. And he can't understand why he can't. 
Vince Russo is as prominent in this one. He's talked about, well, you can't, Ted, we try, but all you can buy is these old, washed up, you know, unreliable wrestlers from the 1980s and Macho cuts them off, or, or I should say Nacho Man cuts him off and points out that, no, I actually started in the 70s, brother. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're really, really putting the digs into these guys as far as age. Ironically enough, I mean, the, I think Savage and Hogan at this point might have been their early 40s which is, you know, you look at today's product, AJ Styles, I think is 45 right now. You know, you got a Brock Lesnar who's 45. They're doing plenty fine at their age in the WWF, but it was such a, or WWE at this point, but it is such a different mindset back then. And, um, you know, it's just, again, they're just, they're just taking shot after shot at, at uh, WCW all of a sudden. Then we go to an in-ring interview with Vince McMahon and Goldust, which is really sexually uh laced innuendo here as far as uh gold dust's own sexuality talking about razor ramon i mean there's a lot of offside stuff said here especially by king on commentary i won't even repeat what he said because again this is something that you wouldn't you wouldn't get uh, away with today but back then you could and they were trying to push some buttons but this is something we wouldn't have saw in 1995 this is a different wwf in in uh, 1996 um right after the interview is over razor ramon arrives at the arena this is kind of something they've been uh, talking about all night that razor was on his way to confront gold dust and he is po'd and he is looking for gold dust we then go to an isaac yankum versus undertaker match now this is pretty cool because this is one of the first ever matchups between kane and Undertaker. Now, I know they had a matchup in Smoky Mountain Wrestling when Kane was uh, Unabomb, but uh, but this is actually our first look on WWF television of Kane versus Undertaker. And it was a good match. It honestly was. Um, you know, a little distraction stuff from the King, but overall, Taker end up, ends up getting the win. But you could see what was to come in the future for these two. Then right, there we go, right backstage after that. Doc is backstage with Goldust. He's talking about his match next week with Bret Hart when Razor comes out of nowhere and jumps him, puts a, a severe beating on him for a few minutes, and then finally Goldust gets a low blow in, and he gets away from Razor. So we take a break. We come back from, from the break, uh, from the ads, and we're met with another vignette, and it's Sonny in a bubble bath. <laughs> Again, like, what is going on? This was not the WWF of 95, but it's like, it's like Vince's new year's resolution to do everything crazy and different than what it was in 95. Uh, so again, just to her in a bubble bath and talking about it being raw, then they run down the, uh, the Royal rumble cart. And as they're running it down, they have to go backstage again because there's chaos back there, which now you're starting to see the Vince Russo influence of the whole crash TV stuff. Uh, along with the sexual innu innuendo and stuff like that too but this felt a lot different from wwf because we didn't usually get this stuff this this crazy pandemonium backstage this fighting backstage and it's um razors jumped uh gold dust again as he's trying to leave the building this goes all the way outside they're wrestling around the snow razor almost takes his head off with a shovel gold dust gets away jumps in the back of a car just pull away razors firing garbage cans at him. <laughs> it's just craziness but it, it this felt like the title of the show is correct it is raw it feels different and it just feels like 
WWF has dropped the gloves. They've said enough of this kitty stuff, and we're going to change the whole uh, temperature of, of Monday Night Raw. And, and I, at the end, I had to say, wow, totally different show. This, does, this would not fit in 95. And we got so much to come for 96. And we, we're going to have the debut of Vader coming at the Royal Rumble. We got Steve Austin, who, of course, is the ringmaster at this point. But who cares? It's Steve Austin. We got Gold Dust in there. We got so much stuff going on. It's it's just, I tell you, 96 and 97. I know everybody, everybody in the Attitude area, they're talking about 98, 99, that kind of stuff. But 96, 97 is some of the best stuff that WWF had during the Attitude era. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to come in 96. So what I'll say is 96 feels like a completely different year than 95. And it's always amazing how this happens. We see this with decades sometimes, how all of a sudden the 80s went from all this pomp and circumstance and fun times and all this stuff to the 90s got dark really quickly. And then the 2000s just got different altogether and the 2010s and all that different stuff. But it's just like, boom, January 1st comes and then we turn over a new leaf and here we go. But uh, lots of stuff in store, but it's just, it's going to be fun because WCW honestly had been kicking the tail of WWF for the longest time here in 95. And now we're starting to see WWF fighting back and it's going to get good. So um, upcoming next week, our next episode, we're going to be covering the, the Royal Rumble. I'm pretty excited to say that I do have a, a guest host coming along for that. It's going to be Kyle from the Apron Bump, uh, who I was over on his uh, his great podcast and covered an, uh, a pay-per-view with him. And now he's going to return the favor and come over here. So be ready for that. Kyle's got some, always got some funny takes on the wrestling product and make sure you check him out. If you want to know who he is, uh, if you're not a, uh, a listener or a fan of his yet, head on over to the apron bump podcast. It's both on YouTube or whatever podcasting apps that you use and um, get a, get, uh, get in some of his uh, stuff because he does lots of great reviews of, uh, of old school WWE and um, uh, ROH and and TNA and and all that great stuff. So um, real good guy, and I'm looking forward to having him on there. And there's going to be lots more guest hosts coming through for these pay-per-view segments, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, I'm going to leave it on that note because I'm fired up. Again, sorry I'm late, but there's a lot of wrestling to watch. There's a lot going on. There's YouTube. There's wrestling with the 80s there's wrestling with the truth you got wrestling with the war there's all kinds going on but i'm getting the signal from the booth i gotta get going we'll see you next week for royal rumble